Welcome to this edition of the Mission Bitcoin Podcast. On today's episode, we talk with Simon, William, and David of Bitcoin in the Bible Podcast. In this interesting episode, we discuss how we came to starting Christian-based Bitcoin podcasts. Simon, William, and David's podcast systematically covers biblical principles associated with Bitcoin. And like Bitcoin's multi-layered technology, there are many layers of biblical truth we can apply to Bitcoin. We talk about how Bitcoin can be used within the church and by Christians. Fundamentally, we discuss why Christians should care about this technology. This is a really deep and thought-provoking episode. I know you will enjoy it. Now, a little bit about our sponsors. Jeter Melder LLP is more than a law firm. It is a legal team. Justin and Michael have over 30 years of experience working with different clients on different legal issues from different sides of the docket in areas such as business disputes, constitutional rights, employment agreements, employment discrimination, local counsel, and pay issues. Jeter Melder have advocated in federal and state courts in Arkansas, California, Illinois, New Mexico, and Texas. With a unique blend of clients from doctors, fellow attorneys, tradesmen, hourly workers, and the unemployed to small businesses and Fortune 500 companies, they all have one thing in common. They believe in Jeter Melder and Jeter Melder believes in them. Give them a call at 214-699-4758 or visit them at JeterMelder.com. That's J-E-T-E-R-M-E-L-D-E-R.com. Hey, in case you haven't heard, I've developed a study guide called Bitcoin for Churches. It's a practical study guide to understanding our corrupt financial system, how Bitcoin fixes it, and why the church should care. I will be doing a live stream with City Light Church in New York City on October 8th from 6 to 8 p.m. This is a free event. Please go to citylightnyc.com to register for this free event. I'm so excited. I hope you join us. Thank you. Hey, guys. Uh, it's it's great. Great to have you um, on the show. And it's great to actually see you and connect with you and kind of get to know a little bit about you. Um, I was sharing just before we started, it's, it is in Simon as well. I mean, it it's really cool. And the Lord blessed us with kind of launching at the same time. And I can't help but think that um, there's a purpose in that for the greater Christian community. And I don't, I don't know if you guys have thought much about that um, or, you know, how these podcasts have launched together. You have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I'll start, Patrick. Uh, this is Simon, and thanks so much for having us on the show. It, it really is a joy, and um, I don't think God makes mistakes, nor do things have happen by accident in his sovereign world, right? We're all excited about Bitcoin for the same reasons, but I think it's fair to say that the two of our podcasts are built around the bigger, more impactful truth of the reality that the gospel changes hearts, it changes lives, and it transforms the way in which men live, uh, men and women who our, our husbands, fathers, wives, mothers, grandparents uh, looking to leave an inheritance to their children, uh, men looking to see their churches and their mission organizations strengthened. And so, yeah, obviously we care a lot about Bitcoin. And uh, I love uh, seeing the way in which our two podcasts are kind of maturing together around a similar theme, but doing it in very different ways. And uh, for us, we really just rejoiced in the reality that we could uh, find like-minded men and women uh, who share a similar passion to see God's truth 
uh, magnified and proclaimed and to see his will uh, carried out by those who are, are, are turning back to sound money. Why, why did you guys, I can share why I started my podcast, but what was the tipping point for you to go from owning Bitcoin, learning about Bitcoin to saying, okay, we need to talk about that. I mean, what was, why'd you do that? Well, Will, I think it probably is reality that you started the conversation in our family and then you've been having that conversation with so many friends and so many family members. So maybe you can share a little bit about that. So Definitely. Yeah, I, I felt like as I was talking to Simon and David, just these are things we're passionate about. And we were having these same conversations over and over again with with people as we went about our daily lives and interacting with people and trying to help them understand Bitcoin. And so we thought, you know what, I think there would be a, a great encouragement and strength in sitting down and systematically laying out an approach for how a believer can understand and properly parse Bitcoin. I looked around and, and at the time I couldn't really find a lot of good resources to do that. I had read Thank God for Bitcoin and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't as deep theologically as I was hoping. I, not the kind of book that I would, I would give to a mature believer and, and expect them to be impressed with the, the exposition in it. So I, I thought, you know what, I think that we can do this without stepping on toes. And I think this would be an encouragement to others. And I, I think so far we found that to be true that people have, have been thankful to, to have come across it. Yeah, you guys have done a great job. I, I love your format. Um, I love the fact that, you know, you start off with scripture and you really kind of take a methodical um, uh, approach to Bitcoin and its application with the Bible. And uh, one of I, I think, William, you're the, I think it was the last podcast I talked to. And you had I, I meant to tweet you about this, but the the. The dominion, the the dominion command in Genesis, and your application uh, to Bitcoin was, I thought, superb, and I thought that was just a great a great application. The and I I agree. I I loved. Thank God for Bitcoin. It was a great book, uh, and I even talked to Jimmy Song about this when I interviewed him on the podcast. He felt like they should have gone deeper, um, but they had such a varied group of people with differing uh, belief backgrounds. And so they, they really couldn't take the deep dive, but I, I agree that it was lacking in some things, but, and that's not a knock on it. That's just reality. No, for sure. Yeah. Um, and for me, I think that the, what I wanted to try to do was interact with as many Christians as I could and understand how they came to Bitcoin and, and basically um, use the podcast as a way to kind of do some fishing, you know, try to figure out, you know, are these appropriate think thoughts for Christians? What should the church be doing? What should Christians be doing? So really I was kind of spelunking, uh, when I started my podcast is just trying to figure out, um, how people should be responding to this in the community. And, and as you, as you know, I've done some writing and I wanted to express that as well, but I didn't want to sit down and just read my writings. That would be kind of boring. Um, but that's, I think we definitely complement each other. And that's, that's really, that's really neat. As you look forward to, you know, the impact that Bitcoin will have or should have on the Christian community and Christian Christendom, what, what, what would be your vision um, that you would see 
with Bitcoin and Christians? I think we'd like to see, this is David, I think we would like to see the Christian community interact with Bitcoin from a biblical perspective under the Lordship of Christ, not, not as an asset class to invest in necessarily. I mean, for all the reasons that we all agree on technology wise and, and all the rest of that, but, but just to, to think more seriously about the issues of, of money and economics and, um, and justice and what, you know, what does our Lord think about our economic systems? Are these things morally neutral or are there actually economic systems that better represent the mind of God and some that are an abomination to him? Let me, let me, uh, so that's a great point. So let me ask you this. For me, when I think about Bitcoin or when I started learning about Bitcoin, I was appalled with our economic system that I, I mean, I just had no idea. I mean, you know that there's economic inequality, you know that the rich are getting richer and, you know, there's some shady stuff that goes on. But to just read how it started and how it's maintained, it, it, it was appalling to me. I was ashamed do why why are there not more Christians that speak against this and or is Bitcoin the first light that we've had to shine on this? I mean, what what's the how, how to answer that? I think a lot of Christians have secularized finance. And so in their mind, finance is this separate sphere that I, you know, I don't need to, to think about, I need to worry about, uh, it's, I'm a Christian, I study the Bible, but the Bible doesn't really talk about finance, or at least I, I want to believe it doesn't. So that's hard stuff that I don't want to think about. And I don't really want to open my eyes and look around because for a lot of believers, they've done well under the current paradigm. And if yeah, they yeah. really look around and, and are critical of how did we get here, that has implications on how they got there. But do you think that do you think there was a way to do this legitimately without Bitcoin? Well, I think it's good for us to to say what would we have done 15 years ago or 20 years ago or 100 years ago if we had come to a similar conviction about the system that we currently live in. I know David says it all the time. If we were talking 100 years ago, we would have been gold, precious metals, right. hard metal people because we would see the reality that when societies for thousands of years have embraced God's principles for sound money and have valued the time and the energy and the work by keeping their money supply fixed or as fixed as scarce as it possibly possibly can be, societies have, have flourished underneath that economic system because of the inherent reflection of God's justice and his character. So, yeah, I think for me, looking back and saying, well, why didn't I come to this understanding sooner? It helps me understand why the people around me in the church are not coming to that understanding as quickly as I would like them to. And believe me, mm, a big yeah. part of our podcast is that transition. It's, it's the being honest with ourselves to say, look, <laughs> we just figured this out and we are making this transition right now. And we believe that you can, and maybe you should too consider this transition for yourself and that apologetic evangelistic mindset but for me, to be honest, I'm, I'm right there with what Will is saying. I, I profited from the system. And it wasn't because my dad didn't try to teach me principles of sound money. It, it's because I didn't listen to him. 
And I absorbed the majority of what the world had to say to me about the wisdom of how you save, how you invest, how you live close to the, the, the portions of our financial system that perform the best in times of good and times of not good. But when look at, when looking back at that, I now have moral conviction to say I was taking advantage of my neighbor. I wasn't loving my neighbor the way that I can and that I should by adhering to a sound money standard like Bitcoin. So I'm super thankful that God has providentially put us in the 12 year period that we're currently in where we now can see that we have a better option than just precious metals because clearly precious metals have failed to hold to what they used to be able to provide for society. And I'm just rejoicing in the reality that we are in the digital age and that there's no way that gold and silver, we're going to provide what you and I want Bitcoin to do for the future for missions and for international support of people around the world. Even just trying to give generously to somebody who lives in Canada would not be easy if I was trying to do so with gold. Yeah. 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 Very well said, Simon. Very well said. The, um, so, I mean, with that, do you think that as Christians who have this understanding, should we approach other Christians, not about the number go up technology, but about the morality of the immorality or the morality of Bitcoin as the leading leading thing. Does it do you think it do you think that we should flip the the paradigm when it comes to talking about Bitcoin? Do you think that would make a difference? I think number go up technology is easy to sell people on because it it plays on our inherent greed and desire to see our own personal number go up. But yeah, I think if if we could separate that out and say even if Bitcoin never went up it would still be morally superior money. And as Christians, we should still be pushing this as, as a better, fairer system of money that does not harm the, the less fortunate. It's, and so, but how do you see, and I, I appreciate that and I understand that because number, number go up is a lot easier to talk about, but I think sometimes the technology aspect of it um, can get really confusing and scary, quite frankly. And I think, uh, David, you mentioned that. And I think one of the earlier podcasts that, you know, the technology aspect of Bitcoin was a little daunting and um, very daunting. So speak to that. I mean, what, how do we for older Christians, how do we overcome that? And see, I'm wondering if that's where the morality thing just kind of trumps everything. Yeah, I think uh, there's an old expression that that questions prick the conscience and accusations harden the heart. So I think if we just come at people and and kind of dump on them and say, hey, you're using a corrupt and immoral, you know, money system and you've been corrupted by it, you've profited by it. Look at all the damage it's caused. Look at the wars that are that are waged so that King Dollar can remain and so forth. I think it'll just you'll just blow people over and they're going to, they're going to turn you off. It's just too much. So, but you agree, those are important questions to ask. Oh, I, I, I do agree. And I, but I think that they need to be asked in such a way that takes people back to the scriptures and that they begin to let the word of God work on their conscience. And so 
as their conscience is properly formed, uh, properly formed, meaning that it reflects the mind of God and his desire for honest money, that they will begin to be willing to consider Bitcoin um, as opposed to, because I think if you, if you sell it, number goes up, what you're basically playing into the same mindset that underlies the entire corrupt system that we're in now, which is, you know, get in, ride, you know, ride the escalator up and then dump it on some other fool and, and move on to the next thing and do it all with debt. So I, I think we, we do need to take the time and it's slower and it's harder to build a biblical case, but I think that it's more enduring and it, and it establishes conviction and, and if this has got to be a convictional move, if this is not convictional, then then you're not going to be willing to walk away from what has, particularly for my generation, what has done, we've done really well by. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, that's a good point as well. I mean, a convictional move, especially you wonder if that sort of move, a convictional move will lessen the panic cells that you know, a lot of us, you know, have to struggle with. I know I have in the, uh, when I first got into Bitcoin. Um, so I'm wondering if that would have an impact as well. Oh, I think so. I mean, the fed, you know, drowns all the central banks, but we're in the U S so the fed, you know, drowns the system in liquidity when the market moves 1% because nobody's got the stomach to stay. Right. And so you're in Bitcoin that there's no fire hose in Bitcoin. So, you know, you employ leverage in Bitcoin, you're going to get wrecked. And, and well, uh, OK, so now that we're talking about that and, and leverage and all that, do you think that, you know, if we take the biblical principle of debt and avoiding debt, do you agree with the speculative attack approach that Michael Saylor and and uh Pastor Boyan, that uh, his podcast is going to drop on Wednesday, but City Light Church in New York. I mean, do you think a speculative attack is okay to do, basically using debt to to purchase Bitcoin? I think that I think buying Bitcoin is a speculative attack. So I'm fine with period. that. Period. Period. Okay. Yeah, because okay. we're moving into a free monetary system, and that is inherently going to destabilize the other system. So I think that's just a reality. It's a zero-sum game. Yes. Yeah. As you've said more than once, uh, Will, you can't have your money in two places. So if, if it's on the Bitcoin network, then it's it's necessarily out of the legacy system. Well, then if you go back to, you know, legacy Christian thinking, and I'm, I'm going to segue into Dave Ramsey here in a minute. But I mean, if you if you're in a position where you could pay off your house or buy Bitcoin, I mean, what 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 do you and this is not financial advice for anybody listening, but. I mean, what do you guys think is the wisest thing to do? And I know it's it's individual. I'm just kind of, you know, give me a kind of a broad brush. What do you think? I know what I would do, which is not pay off my house. I would I would buy Bitcoin. I, mean, I would see where we are in the day and age that we're in and the position that Bitcoin is in and, and a unique opportunity. And I would buy Bitcoin and not pay off my house. I mean, mathematically, it's a, it's a simple question. When you look at the interest rates that you're going to be paying on your mortgage mm-hmm. and you amortize it out, the 30-year mortgage, and you look at the rate of return of Bitcoin, it, that's a no-brainer. So, yeah, I mean, I think segue into to, to Dave Ramsey, it's funny to me because there are so many Christians who are, they vocalize that they're afraid of debt, right? We say, oh, we don't, you know, we don't do debt. We don't do debt. You know, I, I listen to Dave Ramsey and I want to get out of debt, except for the half million dollars that I've borrowed against the largest, most speculative real estate investment that I'm ever going to make in my life. 
but that's different, right? So we just have to be careful not to be hypocritical. And so I think that it applies even to David and Simon and I have been talking recently, just trying to figure out what are the principles as we wrestle through the questions of debt financing ourselves uh, with Bitcoin. We don't want to be hypocritical. No, I feel a little bit like the uh, the early church when the transition and dispensations. We go from the Mosaic Covenant to the New Covenant, and we're living in both worlds. Mm-hmm. And it's not like throwing a light switch. Yeah, good point. And so there is some spillover for sure. You know, the Apostle Paul, you know, goes back to the temple. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. And do you think, you know, speaking of Dave Ramsey, uh, you know, I tweeted about him a couple of uh, maybe a month ago or so and i guess he's pretty negative on bitcoin and there was another uh president of a university last week that i tweeted about just was tweeting nonsense about bitcoin um is that is that willful neglect i mean are, are they just they just don't care i mean what why don't they investigate something like this uh, what what are your thoughts on that well i don't think we can judge anybody's motives so we're, you know, beyond that, uh, we did. Yeah. I mean, when it's working for you, you've got a, you've got a formula, you've got a system. Dave Ramsey has a system. He has a company that's been built around this system. Yeah. It's done a lot of good for people. It clearly has. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, it, but I think one of the, you know, even kind of circling back here and this is a, this is a, uh, a series of circles, this, this entire conversation, but um, the church's message on finances tends to be kind of two-pronged. So one is avoid debt, right? So that's not a good thing. You should, you know, you shouldn't be in debt. You know, the, the borrower is the slave of the lender and so forth. And so get out of debt. And, and granted, I mean, people are up to their eyeballs in credit card debt and installment loan debt and, you know, everything's bought on time. But, and then the other message is basically give generously. All right. Support, support your local church, support missions, you know, be generous with, uh, with, with your neighbor and so forth. But, but I think what's been missing is a first principles discussion. So yeah, you know, getting extended out in installment debt and credit card debt is going to ruin you. There's no question about that. But why, what is it about the system we're in that encourages that? That's right. Right. I mean, when I got out of college and I got out of college a long time ago, I graduated in 1979. I can remember how excited I was when I finally got a $300 credit limit credit card from Sears and Roebuck. Because it just. Sears and who? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Sears and who? I mean, it just consumer installment that like that just was not available. So, so yes, people are ruining themselves. Kids are coming out of college, you know, owing a lot of money and not to mention borrowing a ton of money for, for, uh, supposed to be an education. And, you know, that's again, another, another circle, another rabbit trail, but, but why, what is it about the system that has encouraged that? Is it that, that, you know, this present generation of, of, of people are, are that foolish, that greedy, that, um, you know, whatever that, that they're doing things that their parents never did. I mean, is it really a, a question of depravity has grown to that level or is it, is it that the system itself so encourages it that, that it feeds on itself? And yeah, maybe it's hard to, maybe it's hard to ask those questions when you don't know 
what the solution is because until Bitcoin came along, there really was no other solution. I mean, maybe, maybe that's, I don't know. Um, but then maybe not. I mean, if you think about Austrian economics, they've kind of been waving the flag for, for a while, but uh, it's never been really considered. Okay. So Savedine talks about our time preference, right? Yeah. So if you have a high time preference, then you're, then you're, you're wanting to consume. Why? Well, because everybody innately knows that money is, is dissolving. It is to use sailor's analogy. It's a, it's a melting ice cube. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a genius to figure that out. You work harder and harder for less and less. Yeah. You don't need to be a genius, but it, 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 it so infiltrates us that we don't even think about it. It's just second nature. I think the key to it is in what you just talked about there. It is in the, the time preference. And I do think a person's time preference is a reflection of their trust in God's provision for them and their understanding of how God wants them to take the resources that they earn predominantly in the younger years of their life, their their income generating years, and then say, let's save that, not just for myself, but for the generations to come and for the benefit of those who I am going to give generously to. And before Bitcoin, if you had a person who had a low time preference, what would they do with their money? Well, obviously they could save it in whatever was the best savings vehicle at the time. They could wisely put it into things like rentals and real estate that could hold that value. And, and obviously the system itself has helped real estate hold that value better than other assets at the time. But the point is, is that they were investing their time in trying to discipline their spending and lending or borrowing habits so as not to feed their own sinful desire to have what I want right now and to allow the system to drive them in that direction. I think the problem is, is that even those who have those really good intentions found themselves stuck. And I know we talk about this a lot in our world is that Will's generation, the millennial generation, really didn't even have the the privilege of taking advantage of some of the options that my generation and the David's generation had in terms of real estate and other vehicles because we basically just fed those asset classes with so much debt, so much free liquidity and credit that, that they blew up on us, right? And you couldn't buy in because you weren't making enough and you couldn't even save it enough fast enough to give yourself that leg up in life that that generation generations prior had. So I think we're seeing exponential change right in front of our eyes. And we're realizing that really the only solution to it is to return to the sound money principles, understand God's will for how to lower our time preference and use wisdom and prudence to say, what is my best asset right now? And how do I acquire as much of that as I possibly can and save it at the same time, which to go back to your question of speculative attacks, I think we're just looking at the system and saying, God is providentially providing for us the opportunity to save now. That's one of our biggest recommendations to our listening audience is take advantage of that opportunity. No matter what asset you have right now, save now because you're likely going to need it. Restrict your lifestyle live below your means and, and save in a, in a deflationary currency that will be there for you in the future. And do you think that once you acquire Bitcoin and it becomes part of who you are, will it become the tutor that keeps you on the low time preference? Or do you think there will be a danger Christians in particular, that we lapse back into a high time, high time preference mentality. I mean, I think it could. 
I think, you know, you see that with especially early on people who were uh, early adopters of Bitcoin, but maybe didn't adjust their own time preferences and, you know, went out and blown their money on Lambos. But I think the, the critical component will be, do believers allow themselves to come up off of the, the rat race and lift their, their eyes up and look and, and see what is, what God has provided in front of them. And once your eyes have been lifted up off that, that mouse wheel you're running on, right, then, then you start to, to be able to think longer term. And I think once you've right. seen yeah. that, it, I can't imagine going back. I think yeah, the other way to, it's hard to unsee it. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead, Simon. I'm sorry. The other way to look at this, Patrick, is uh, thinking about it in terms of legacy, right? And recognizing that the money that you earn is not necessarily all about you. It, and it's not just what you're giving to your kids and grandkids. It's what you're teaching your kids and your grandkids. And I think it really boils down to our generation saying, if we don't teach the next generation about the principles of sound money, about God's word and teach them how to handle the Bitcoin that they could earn, then it's, it's very likely that a certain percentage of them, and I'm thinking about my own sons (laughs) will receive potentially a huge inheritance of either my Bitcoin or their own Bitcoin that they have and then squander it. Right. I mean, we've seen generations uh, pass Mm -hmm. this down and one generation saves, the other one squanders, another generation saves, the other one squanders. So yes, it's possible unless we preserve for them, not just the, the inheritance itself, but the ability to manage and learn about the system and about their inheritance so that they in turn pass on that legacy to the next generation. Yeah. There's a really good book. Uh, It's interesting because it's written by a a gold guy, uh, David McIlvaney. So second, I thought you're going to say Peter Schiff. No, no, no. Although (laughs) just a a little personal biographical uh, fun note, it was Peter Schiff that opened my eyes to sound money and began my pilgrimage that ended me in Bitcoin. Peter should have followed me. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But, um, but David McIlvaney, uh, who's a believer has written a book called the intentional legacy. And, uh, it's, you know, I think there's one chapter in there on financial legacy, you know, and it's gold and so forth. And that's fine because this, you know, the principles of sound money are there, but the point of the book and, and, um, I found it very helpful. In fact, so helpful to the church that we were part of, uh, we bought and gave away hundreds of copies to every family in the church. But, um, but the, the point of the book is, is that God is relational. He's in relation with himself and he has opened that relationship to us through Jesus Christ. We are relational beings. We are, we are unavoidably relational and therefore we are unavoidably going to leave a legacy. The question is, what kind of legacy are we going to leave? And so the book advocates your investment in, in the next generation, not, not just thinking about financially, how are we going to set them up financially, but how are we going to pass on to them biblical values? Really, what we're talking about is disciple making. That's right. That's right. That's, that's very good. Um, and as an introvert, I have to, I, I do have to admit that, uh, yes, I, I'm designed to be relational when <laughs> I don't want to sometimes, <laughs> uh, very well said. Um, so when you guys look at Bitcoin, do you think, do you think this is God's gift? Do you think this is a gift from God? 
I do. I, I think it's a gift from God in the same way that gold is a gift from God. In other words, that I think it's it's just part of the of the goodness of God that He has sown into the creation, and uh, it was the waiting the time for man to dig it out, as it were. And and so all good gifts come from the Father, right? From our Father. Amen. Amen. So, do you think Do you think there's a special purpose for Bitcoin? A divine purpose, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I think there's a divine. There's my opinion. There's a divine purpose for Bitcoin in this, in the sense that Bitcoin represents the mind of God in terms of sound and honest money. Yes. Okay. You know, it's interesting because if you get onto Google and you do some um, just searches of Christian Bitcoin or whatever, I mean, there's just not. There's a dearth of anything and a lot of it's negative, um, you know, and I put on Twitter a couple of weeks ago and I think you guys chimed in on it as well. The, the mark of the beast uh, aspect to Bitcoin. And, and I'll be honest with you, when I first came across Bitcoin, it was kind of a it was a question. You know, it's, it's, it's like, OK, wait a minute. This seems kind of like that, but it's clearly everything opposite um, to the mark of the beast. Do, do you think there's any other particular Christian FUD that you've come across that we need to just kind of dispel? Well, I think that we we just recorded an episode last week that should go live to, uh, this week. And uh, I think one of the critical aspects in Bitcoin is trustworthiness, right? Is it trustworthy? And, and obviously that the reality that the mainstream media has continued to feed us that Bitcoin is all about corruption. It's all about enabling this world to basically be underhanded and dirty and buy stuff that they shouldn't have and cover up their, their, their uh, footprints with it is really the easiest <laughs> thing that, that you can uncover by demonstrating that, that Bitcoin is actually not as anonymous as it right might be seen. And that, mm -hmm. that those who would like to hide what they're doing should not be using Bitcoin if they're really trying to do it well. Uh, but I do think that from a trustworthiness perspective, uh, making sure that that people understand that they're not putting their money into a Ponzi scheme that is invisible and that is just designed to basically uh, teach people to buy in, pump up the price and then dump it on the next loser, which frankly is often the, the strategy of the, the, of the other altcoins, right? The other cryptocurrencies yes. out there. Yeah. I know Will is very passionate about expressing his distaste for other coinage, right? Because it, it does it sully the, or, or dirty the message of Bitcoin a little bit to mix it in in the cryptocurrency category uh, simply because we don't have the, those same issues of, of variable monetary policy, early ICOs, founders and groups that are profiting on the centralization efforts and the, the explo exploitation of those who are coming in late to the game. I think we need yeah. to counteract that by being very direct with people about how Bitcoin is designed to be antithetical to that design process by, by not having an early founder who's still here profiting from it and guiding the system from behind the scenes to, to, to share it with his cronies and friends and, and really just get after that fact that it is a system that is designed to, to encourage people who love truth, who love trusting what is true and love verifying what is true. And that, that reflects the mind of God as well. Be a Berean. Amen. Yeah. Go out there and investigate it for yourself. Don't just listen to Patrick or us. Go yeah. get to the source and, and, and ascertain truth. Very well said. When, when you guys look at the role that Bitcoin plays 
for the church, you know, what role do you think it will play or should play? And, and I know we talked about this a little bit before we started recording and, and also just what, what are your thoughts for how it could transform ministry, how it could transform missions? I mean, just kind of share your thoughts, what, what you guys think about that. Well, I think in terms of, of how it can can be a funding source, so we can begin with that. So most Christian organizations uh, will talk to you about leaving legacy gifts, and they often tie them to real estate or bonds or things like that. And and you know when you're when you're gone, that that will fund you know the work of the gospel, you know beyond your days, kind of thing. But they're in depreciating currency units, so you know there is that tension that's going on there. But, but you certainly could endow a Christian college, for example, uh, with Bitcoin and or a seminary and uh, and be able to provide a, a, a lower cost uh, education that maybe a man could go to seminary and and uh, wouldn't have to try to hold a job at the same time or is put his wife to work or, you know, he could be just, you know, that much freer to to give himself to the task and be involved in, the, in a local church in a more significant way. Certainly um, missionary endeavors uh, could be funded with um, Bitcoin. And I think I, I think churches as well. I think, you know, most, Fantastic. yeah, most, most churches, uh, you know, are, are dollar centric. So any assets that are, that are contributed, you know, you can, you can contribute stock, real estate bonds, you know, you can contribute to a church, but most churches, at least most churches that I'm aware of, they immediately convert things into USD. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, I mean, a lot of churches probably have a lot of melting ice cubes in their bank accounts right now because they they're sitting on, you know, funds that they're not deploying into investments that's just sitting in a cash. Um, so they're they're definitely sitting on melting ice cubes. When you guys think about the Christian community. And. Bitcoin. Do you think that. As a because when people come to Bitcoin, they come usually as individuals. They don't come as groups, and you have, kind of have to find your way and do your own research and all that. Do you do you think that Christians are a great target audience to bring as a group to Bitcoin? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think a lot of churches will have a Dave Ramsey financial management seminar that they'll host. And I'm, I would love to see them instead hosting a, a day-long course where we teach the, the fundamentals of sound money and, and the heart of God and how Bitcoin can enable God's people to to further enhance their their lives and, and their mission and, and to be able to be out and active in the community and, and spreading the good news, the gospel. And so I, I think there is a, a role. I think that the elders and pastors are their overseers and shepherds. And even if they are not from the pulpit, which I don't think would be appropriate to be telling their congregations, Hey, you need to go buy Bitcoin. They, they command respect. And I think that they speak into the lives of those that are under their care. And so if they understand, then they can help teach those that, that are, um, that they have watch over. 
And, and to build on that, I think it's reflective of the reality that Christians love their neighbors, right? That is the sign of being a Christian is that you do love your neighbor and you're not just driven by your individual desires, right? God has changed your heart and mind so that you do care enough for other people, not just to give to them, but to give you of your time and efforts to educate people. I know that that's how we look at it. We're not in this podcasting business to get rich and to, to be famous, right? We're, we're trying to make sure that we do everything that we can to love our neighbor, whether they're people that we know or people that we don't know, whether they're in the U.S. or whether they're around the world. Uh, we look at what God did for us and how he provided richly for us in Christ Jesus to, to bring a man into our lives who could speak truth into our lives and help us understand how we needed it to change. And similarly, we'd love to give people that opportunity. And I think if more and more Christians do come into Bitcoin, I can see that momentum building as people embrace the challenge of loving their neighbor. Yeah, that's, that's uh, great. You know, as I, as I've thought about it, I, I've thought that Christians are kind of a unique opportunity to kind of bring in mass because this does embody uh, principles that, align with God, uh, the time preference aspect of Bitcoin is, I think, can be transformational for a lot of Christians um, because we've we've all been caught up in high time preference. And I think Bitcoin's a good tutor to kind of um, help us realign with with the Lord. I think, Patrick, one of the questions that comes to my mind, and I think this is one of the things that we are trying to stimulate in the discussion with other believers, is how do we redeem uh, our pursuit of Bitcoin in a world where obviously uh, things are, are changing very rapidly and, and not all of that change is change that we like, right? So we're dealing with governments and mandates and uh, economic conditions that are deteriorating rapidly. And I think one, unfortunately, one of the things that that can produce is a, a very individualistic mindset that, that tends to then start just shunning uh, relationships and or shunning the truth of God that can penetrate the heart and mind and, and give us patience and wisdom and prudence for what we see lying ahead. So I, I think what we're trying to, what I'm trying to encourage our Christian Bitcoin community to, to also be as a light of the gospel in a, a very dark and dying world. And I know that you share that same passion to say, yes, my, our podcasts are predominantly directed right now to people who love Christ and who just want to learn about Bitcoin. But I think there are going to be those opportunities for us to impact those unbelievers around us in the Bitcoin Twitter world, and hopefully to do so by drawing them first to Christ and then obviously continuing to speak to them about the truth of what we share in common with them, which is a love for Bitcoin. But I think redeeming um, Bitcoin from some of its evolutionary driven uh, hedonistic or even kind of profane yep. roots is something that I yep. would love to see us do together. Yeah. Amen. I mean, and I actually spoke to that in my trailer to my podcast is I feel like we need to redeem the Bitcoin movement. And it's not like, you know, it's ours and we're going to take it back, but we, we were, we're, we've been late to the game. We, and so whether or not we're able to redeem it completely, you know, uh, nothing's going to be redeemed completely until the Lord comes back. But, um, we definitely need to have a bigger voice, I think, in, in, in the Bitcoin community. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but, uh, Tomer Strolight read one of my articles and, you know, he came to faith in the Lord and I'm discipling him through, um, John right now. So I, I think that Bitcoin can definitely be a tool to, 
to be used to point people to Christ because it is an absolute truth. And we all know sitting around these microphones that we've lived our entire lives, our Christian, our entire Christian lives being laughed at because we believed in absolute truth. And then now this Bitcoin thing comes along and people have to admit, hmm, I guess there is absolute truth in Bitcoin. So, you know, they, they've lived this contradictory life their whole time. And now they're now they're kind of switching. Um, but I, I think that um, there's a lot of at least what I've heard kind of behind the scenes, there are a lot of Bitcoiners that are questioning their, their lack of faith or their belief system because um, Bitcoin shines a light um, on, on those things. And, you know, I'm putting together some notes now. And one of the things I write about Bitcoin is that Bitcoin is a, is a, it's a social organizing force. It's not just a monetary system. It's a network and, and all that, but it's, it's actually a social monetary, um, organizing force. So I think that potentially we might see more people influenced, uh, for the cause of Christ because of Bitcoin is, is what I see and what I hope for. Yeah. Um, I think when you start to really grapple with Bitcoin, you're confronted with absolute scarcity. And when you're confronted with absolute scarcity, and you keep reading over and over again that the only thing scarcer than Bitcoin is human time. Mm. Well, what, what are the implications of that? If my time is truly yeah. scarce, what comes next? What have I done with my life? Where am I going? Where am I headed? It's the inevitable conclusion of grappling with really God's truth because it just exposes the realities of the world that God has created and man in his sinful desire has patched together an economic system that perverts the the basic tenets of God's truth. But Bitcoin, I think kind of undoes a little bit of, of that um, obfuscation layer and, and peels back some of the basic truths of life. Yeah. Yeah. And Simon, I think to your point about, you know, this, this might be a time where we start looking inward because of the world's collapsing around us. I mean, it, it seems like that every day. I, I mean, I'm hoping that those of us who are have been gifted with Bitcoin and see this opportunity will be the ones that can can be there for everyone else who may who may need it in the future. Um, so that that's my hope and that's my my desire. Um, guys, I know you've got your your own podcast to do. This has been a great conversation. I've I've really enjoyed it, and Lord willing, we're gonna move the the Christian needle closer and closer to Bitcoin. So I really appreciate the work you guys are doing and um, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, total pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Please like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you would leave a review, that would be fantastic as well. Peace.